You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. Play fake, going to roll right, dumps it off into the right flat to Michael Bumpus, who bounces off a of one tackler, gets inside the 40 down to the 35 yard line. Powered by Seahawks.com. Matt Pumpfakes looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10 yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Now, here's your host, Nasa Chobi. Welcome to another edition of Hawk Talk. The Seahawks are back at home taking on the Atlanta Falcons this Sunday at Lumen Field, hoping to get over the loss of the 49ers last week. The Seahawks are 1-1, one one, trying to shed what happened last week. It's a brand new week. We're excited here at the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. I'm with my guy, Michael Bumpus, and we're going to talk about those Falcons with What's on Tap. What's on Tap. Falcons coming into town this week, an 0-2 record, last place in the NFC South. But these Falcons have played some pretty good football. It's been kind of a weird season for them. Yes, they are 0-2, but they have lost both of their games by a combined of five points. They blew a 16-point fourth-quarter lead to the Saints in Week 1. Last week, they were getting blown out by the Rams 28-3. Made a crazy comeback down there at SoFi Stadium, but unfortunately fell short for them. Bump, it, w- it was pretty wild to see from 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 that standpoint. I saw 28-3. Yeah. And I was hoping, I was like, hey, man, maybe they're about to get their redemption right here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that was not the case. Um, they kind of flipped the switch in the second half, bringing it into within one score. Unfortunately, their comeback bid fell short when Jalen Ramsey picked off a potential go-ahead touchdown in the end zone, allowing the Rams to hold on for a 31-27 victory. Comeback was led by Falcons quarterback Marcus Mariota, who had a pretty good second half with two touchdowns. Special teams got involved blocking a punt as they returned for a touchdown. And then they also uh, converted on a two-point conversion to make it a, a one-score game. Now, Bump, it was a, it's a different kind of Falcons team right now, right? So they turned the table. Matt Ryan is no longer there. Marcus Mariota is, is in town. So what do you see from them uh, against the Falcons? Um, I saw a resilient team. I saw a team that is going to fight, who's going to stay in the fight, right? You talk about them being down 28-3. to A lot of teams would have melded in and say, all right, we're done. Um, end up losing 31-27. and 27. Marietta throws a pick. Ramsey reminds you that he is him, apparently, after making that pick. And then you talked about the special teams, man. This was this is a team that has some young talent, right? You talk about Mariota, the veteran. All right, he's the quarterback back there. But you still got Drake London, a young receiver out of the Pac-12. Um, Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. You still have uh, Pitts, the tight end slash receiver over there. And Patterson, who just seems to never go away. This guy's played receiver, running back. He's in the mm-hmm. return game. If you need a big play... You can lean on this guy. So offensively, I see a team that can get it done. They're averaging about 26 points per game, so they will put some points up. And they're okay running the football. We'll talk more about that in the head-to-head matchups. But I see a team that's capable, a team that you cannot sleep on, a team that um, will put up a fight. And we're we're in no room to talk, right? One and right. one coming into the season. You don't sleep on anybody. You can't sleep on the Falcons. No question about it. Like you mentioned, all those talented players that they have on their roster, it's kind of a new – it's kind of a new Arthur Smith is in his second year as a head coach, and he's really trying to turn over a new leaf because the Falcons, after losing the Super Bowl, going to the playoffs the next year, have been struggling since then. So they're, they got some pieces. They've had a lot of draft picks because they've struggled the last couple of years. So they're definitely trying to turn the page over and set a new foundation there in Atlanta. When we look at the head-to-head comparison, this is probably the last week where we're still kind of waiting and seeing. We're going to look at the numbers, but moving forward, those numbers are going to mean a lot more. But when you look at it um, – Last week was tough for the Seahawks, obviously, offensively. I mean, you don't score a touchdown. That's going to drop you in a lot of the rankings. Total offense, the Seahawks come in at 31, going 235, 
yards per game. Rush offense are at 32, only rushing for 60, 56 yards. Pass offense, 27th, 178 yards a game. And then points per game, 12 points per game. That ranks them 29th overall. And honestly, Bump, these numbers just went in the tank after last week. Yeah. When you don't score an offensive touchdown, that's what's going to happen. And when you only have a sample size of two games, not great. But when you compare it to the other side, the Falcons a little bit better. You know, they're 19th overall in total offense, going 338 yards per game, 7th in rush offense, 145 yards per game, and 22nd in the pass offense at 193. And they're scoring 26 points per game, like you mentioned earlier. Somewhat comparable, obviously, they're putting up a little bit more points, but when you look at those head-to-head matchups, you know, obviously the Seahawks are hoping they can really improve a lot of those numbers given what happened last weekend, and obviously scoring points will help you do that. But they're pretty comparable. Obviously, Seahawks are a little lower right now, but through two weeks, they haven't lit the world on fire, the Falcons, so I think this will be a closer matchup when you look at it on Sunday. Yeah, it should be a closer matchup. You're looking at these numbers, and if you're the Falcons, you're going to embrace them a bit. Like, yeah, we're number nine when it comes to points scored. Number seven, running the football, 145 yards. And if you're the Seahawks, you're like, okay, let's not pay attention. It's two weeks in. There's some things that we have to figure out. You look at the defensive numbers. The Falcons are ranked 20th, giving up 361 yards per game. The Hawks are 24th, giving up 403. A stat that sticks out to me the most really is uh, the possession, time of possession. This is something that the Hawks have struggled with so far this year, something that I think they can fix once they get that run game going. The Hawks have possessed the ball on an average of 24 minutes per game, and the Falcons 31 minutes per game. I don't think you look at the stats. I think you look at the matchups. And Mm -hmm. we've mentioned some of the guys on offense for the Falcons, and you know that this defense is figuring some things out. They're coming off of a tough week against the 49ers where uh, they were pushed around a little bit. So I know these guys are looking to bounce back. Look at the stat leaders. The leading rusher for the Seattle Seahawks should be Rashad Penny, and he is 75 yards this year so far. Uh, Patterson has 161 yards for the Falcons throwing the football. Geno's having an efficient year, man, completing 80% of his passes. Marcus Mariota leads over there. And then at the receiver spot, Drake London, the rookie receiver out of USC, has 13 catches, 460 yards. Tyler Lockett has 12 for 135, had a 100-yard game last week against the 49ers. You look at these teams, anybody can get it. It's, it's up yep. in the air for grabs, and hopefully the Seahawks come down with it. Absolutely. Now, these teams have played each other a decent amount over the last couple of years. It's time to know our history. Know your history. Seahawks lead the all-time series in the regular season 12-8. to eight. We're not going to talk about the two postseason meetings because those are still touchy subjects years and years <laughs> later. Um, but the last meeting was good for the Seahawks. They opened up that weird 2020 COVID season with a 38-25 victory on the road. You guys remember Russell had a great day. He was 31 and 35, 322 yards, four touchdowns. Lockett and Metcalf combined for 12 receptions, 187 yards, and a touchdown. Chris Carson had two reception touchdowns, and Greg Olson caught his only touchdown as a Seahawk. And the thing about that game that jumps out to me, obviously the offensive numbers were great, but it was what we expected to see from Jamal Adams. He exploded on the scene, his first career game with the Seahawks, 12 tackles, two TFLs, two quarterback hits, one sack, and, it, man, looking back and I think about it, it just made me sad, man. Man. It just made me sad because Jamal Adams, despite what some people want to say, is a hell of a football player, and the Seahawks are in a lot worse position without him. I think this defense was going to play right up his alley and, and how he plays football. So it's really tough to see. And so shout-out to Jamal Adams. I think he had surgery this week, so hopefully he's on the up and up and hoping we get to see him back next year doing his thing. But that's a little bit of the history. Now it's time to figure out what's going on in the West. What's the word? And the Seahawks are the NFC West champs again. What's the word in the West? 
on Hawk Talk. All right, let's take a look at the NFC West. The Seattle Seahawks are one and one. The Rams one and one. Cardinals one and one. Niners one and one. It's all knotted up that first week. Man, it looked beautiful for the 49ers. Excuse me, the Seahawks. But then they play the 49ers. They take an L. The Rams beat the Falcons. The Cardinals get a big win over the Las Vegas Raiders. Let's talk about that win, man. The Cardinals, man, they got beat up that very first week, 44-22 against the Kansas City Chiefs. There's a lot of questions going on. How is Kyler Murray in this offense going to respond? Week two, it does not look good for the Cardinals. Initially, they go on a halftime down 20-0. to At one point, they were down 23-7 to with less than nine minutes remaining. Then Kyler Murray... Has two drives where at least for a touchdown, also converting on two-point conversion attempts. And then there's this one play where this man is scrambling left. He's scrambling mm-hmm. right. He looks like he's playing on a video game. He gets all the way to the left, runs it in for a touchdown, ran about 70 to 80 yards in that process, at least it seemed like. So then they get into overtime, and uh, the Raiders start the Cardinals on an opening drive. But Hunter Renfro, the sure-handed mm-hmm. slot receiver, mm-hmm. man, coughs it up. And guess who picks it up for the scoop and score? UW standout. Former UW standout, Byron Murphy ran it back for a 59-yard touchdown, winning touchdown. And Kyler Murray, he did it all for the Cardinals, man. 31 of 49, 277 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, had 28-yard rushing on five carries and a touch- touchdown. Zach Ertz led all Cardinals receivers with eight receptions for 75 yards. This was an emotional win for these guys. The Cardinals knew they needed this. You see the celebration of Kyler Murray after the game. I didn't realize his fro was that big. He pops the helmet off. He runs to the end zone. Apparently he thinks he gets smacked by a Raiders fan. If you look at the film, I think the man was trying to slap him on his shoulder pads. Ends up smacking Kyler Murray in the face. Nonetheless, an emotional win for these guys. And they held Devontae Adams. Right, Only had two receptions on seven targets for 12 yards and one touchdown. Good for the Cardinals. Yeah, on the Raiders side, you just you look at that and you say that can never happen again. No, nah. not only are we paying this man too much money, he's <laughs> one of the best receivers in the National Football League. That can never happen again. He can never have just two receptions on seven targets. But you mentioned it, the Cardinals, man, they needed that win, and you could tell. You're right, the emotion on the sideline, everyone mm-hmm. running down, chasing Murphy. It was huge for them because they were getting smacked again. And if that game ended the way it was going, there's a lot of doubt. Now you're 0 two and two blowout losses. So things definitely. Um, Turned out well at the end for the Cardinals and head coach Cliff Kingsbury because if you talk about another fourth quarter collapse, Mm -hmm. that would have been devastating for them. And Kyler, you know, the end of that game shows you what he can be. Just the elusive, the the running, the scrambling, just the playmaking ability. That's what he can do. Um, So we'll obviously get our chance to see them later in the year. Unfortunately for us, we're watching that. We're doing our postgame show. We're hoping, okay, well, we lost, but – you know, the, the Cardinals are Somebody got sure to lose, yeah, right? Cardinals. And the Falcons were coming back. We thought things were going to come up Seahawks again. It unfortunately did not. So, we'll see. The division's all knotted up one and one. So, it's time now for the Seahawks to get back on that winning track. So, we'll turn it back to the Falcons. Time to man up. Hey, who man's is this? Who man's is this? Man up, man up, man up, man up. Man up on Hawk Talk. All right. Taking a look at the quarterbacks like we always do every week. This time we're looking at Marcus Mariota taking on the Seahawks defense. Marcus Mariota from the Pacific Northwest. If you're around, you're familiar, you know that he had a lot of success winning the Heisman Trophy at Oregon. And he's once again a starter in the National Football League. He was drafted second overall in 2015 to the Titans. He was a starter from 2015 all the way up until week seven of the 2019 season where he was replaced by Ryan Tannehill at the time. 
you know, I didn't think that was going to come of anything. And then obviously Tannehill catches fire. They go all mm-hmm. the way to the AFC championship game, eventually losing to the Chiefs. But that was the last time we really saw Marcus Mariota. And what we know about him, he's a quiet guy. He kind of is a good teammate, doesn't say a lot. After that, played two years in Vegas behind Derek Carr. And then uh, with Matt Ryan leaving for Indy, Marcus Mariota is finally getting his shot again to be a starter and trying to get back to where he was in 2016, which is really the best year of his career. We threw for 3,426 yards, 26 touchdowns, only nine interceptions. This year, he's uh, 37 of 59 for 411 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, 18 carries, 88 yards, and one touchdown. And what I see from Marcus is he's still an athlete. Even though he's a little getting a little bit up there in age, he can still run. I know that one play where he falls down on fourth down, gets up, spins around, completes the ball to the flat to the tight end, gets the first down against the Rams. So he's definitely a guy that can still hurt you offensively. Um, he is also a guy that will occasionally turn the ball over. He, he's fumbled in the past. He's had two interceptions on the year. But he's definitely not someone you can take lightly. You know, he's – in terms of a game plan perspective, I wouldn't say it's the same as what the Seahawks had going in against Trey Lance last week because Marcus Mariota can do a lot better things with his arm. But honestly, I think he he's a guy that can really help them as this transition, right, because they draft Desmond Ritter. And everyone's kind of thinking Desmond Ritter is going to be the guy. I think Mariota is a perfect guy to help this transition. And if he keeps playing well, maybe he starts for longer. What have you seen from Marcus? Um, I see a guy who can run an offense, a guy who's a leader and who can extend some plays. You mentioned that play on fourth down where he falls down, gets up, flick of the wrist, boom, gets that first down. Uh, This is the perfect guy you need to kind of mentor a guy like Desmond Ritter. You don't want to throw him into the fire. I think the NFL these days – they're so obsessed with finding this the next phenom mm-hmm. and throwing him in the fire right now that you can ruin a guy. So I like the move by acquiring Marcus Mariota. Um, I think he's um, uh, he's good enough to keep you competitive and not bad enough to where you just have to blow the whole thing up, right? There's talent around him. He doesn't have to win games for you. So we'll see what he does. Hope he doesn't ball out this week, though. Uh, next matchup, Geno Smith versus the Falcons defense. Here's the thing about Geno, all right? Offense hasn't scored in six quarters, but he's still doing his job essentially. 24 of 30, uh, 80% for 197 against the 49ers. On the season, he's 47 of 58, 392 yards with two touchdowns and one interception. All right, Geno's 81% completion percentage on the season is number one in the NFL. Now, the people are going to say, well, all he's doing is throwing check downs and short stuff. Um, And I say to them, He's taking care of the football, right? right? Eventually, they're going to open up this offense for him, and Pete Carroll talks about that in this clip here. After two weeks of, of watching Geno play, uh, we need to we don't need to hold him back at all. I think Geno's got his game ready to go. Uh, we need to trust him, and we need to let him, you know, have uh, maybe give him a few more opportunities and stuff. We were we've been pretty pretty solidly conservative, counting on running the football. When we didn't run the football, then okay, we we didn't have much of a mix that we needed. So we can do better with that, and. Uh, you know, whether it's that's right or wrong, you know, I, I, you know, that's not the point. The point is that we need to keep expanding. We have too many explosive uh, avenues to go to, and we got to make sure that these guys show up. No, nah, that's right, Pete. Open it up, baby. Let's go. You got DK. You got 16 over there. You got your tight ends who've been involved. And these guys, the Falcons are 22nd against the pass, allowing 253 right up Geno's alley. Overall, they're 20th on defense. And then against the run, they are 15th in line, 108. I'm saying, look. It's time for Penny to go for 100, and it's time for DK to get his. Let's go get it. Okay, well, let's let's. if you're putting on the offensive coordinator hat, you're putting on the headset, what does that mean to open up the offense for Geno? Is it, do you feel like it's been conservative in terms of what they're asking him to do? How, how do they open up that offense? What does that entail? Open up means 
that you one you design plays for Gina. I mean, excuse me, for DK. There have been instances last week where I saw a three by one. DK is on the one receiver side by himself. The corner's playing six, seven yards off. Out of wild, throw a hitch. He's getting the ball right now. And then don't be afraid to throw the 50-50 footballs. I think Gino, his gift is that he's going to be responsible with the football, but then it hurts him when it comes to DK at times because he's big enough and good enough to where if he has a half a step on a guy, he's open, throw it to him, let him go. So I think once Gino gets the the green light, which it sounds like he's going to get, you hear Pete Carroll talking about that, he'll take more risks down the field. Now, if the, we start turning the ball over a bunch, then, okay, obviously you got to reel it back in. Right. But – you got a talent like 14, man. Open it up, throw it to him. And I know Shane's been watching a lot of film. He's got two weeks to kind of figure out what's going on with his offense. He'll find a way to get 14 a ball. I'm hoping so because Gino, Gino has shown he could do it. And the fact, the crazy thing about some of his completion percentage numbers, I saw something the other day. He's setting NFL records. Right. I mean, Gino, it, it, it's, when I saw this, I had to double check before it came out. I was like, that's not right. Gino is the first player with an 80 plus completion percentage and with. At least 10 attempts in three consecutive games in NFL history. Wow. So it's been two games this year, going back to how well he did in the Jacksonville game last year. So mm-hmm. Geno's capable. He can do it. I'm, I'm really excited to see what this offense is going to look like a little bit more opened up. Now flipping back to the Falcons, looking at Cordell Patterson versus Seahawks front seven. Now Cordell Patterson has had a, a kind of a journey in the National Football League, spending mm-hmm. time with Minnesota, Oakland, New England, Chicago, and Atlanta. So last season he had a really productive, probably the best season of his career, uh, 618 rush yards on 153 carries, six touchdowns, 548 receiving yards on 52 receptions and five touchdowns. But b- before he got there, um, he played his first eight years as a receiver, essentially. He's a former first-round pick, never really panned out as a wideout. He had never broken the 500-yard receiving mark in his career. A lot of people kind of labeled him as a bust, even though my man was a Pro Bowl, all-pro returner. Yeah. Like, Clearly an athlete, clearly mm-hmm. doing things in the return game. But in 2018, he was in New England. They had a ton of injuries at running back. Bill Belichick was kind of the first coach to be like, no, let's put him back there in the backfield as a primary back. Um, and then he goes to Atlanta, and Atlanta has a couple injuries too, and now he's just kind of the do-it-all dude. I mean, that's kind of why when you first see that number, you go, 84? <laughs> at running back? Okay, but he's a hybrid, and, and he's just a dangerous football player, and I think he's, he's a guy that you can't, can't let get loose because he can yeah. hurt you receiving, running in the return game. He, he's definitely a guy to watch this weekend. He is the new type of athlete, but he's an older statesman at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, imagine if he were a first, second-year guy in today's game. I know eight, nine, ten years isn't very long in human years, but in football yeah. years, the game changes. So he's a big play guy. If you let him get loose, he will get those knees up, throw the deuces up, and score a touchdown. So um, you got to be sure tacklers this year against number 84. I'm excited to see what he can do. All right, the next match we're going to look at is Tariq Woolen and Mike Jackson versus Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and you say that last name because I don't want to jack it up. Olame Zacchaeus. Olam- I don't know. I don't Olamide know. Olamide Zacchaeus. All right, that, that's, I don't know. That's, that's what we're going to call it. <laughs> Olamide, our bad if we are mispronouncing your name. I'm pretty sure we are. But, all right, this is what they are going up against. I mentioned Drake London. He was the number eight pick in the two, uh, 2022 draft from USC. The two games for the Falcons, this guy's been doing his thing. 13 receptions, 160 yards. One touchdown. His senior year at USC, he had 88 receptions, 4,084, and seven touchdowns. I've seen this guy live. I cover covered him for the uh, the Pac-12 Network against Colorado. 
tore him up. Not the fastest guy, fast enough to get by you, quick enough to move you. Former basketball player, played hoops at USC, will go up and grab that thing out the air. Kyle Pitts um, had a good rookie season. Only one touchdown, but he still went for over 1,000 yards on 68 receptions so far this year. He has four receptions for 38 yards. This guy causes matchup issues because he's labeled as a tight end. If you just look at him, I think you would guess that he is a receiver, but they will line him up tight. They will split him outside, always looking for uh, the matchups there. All right, now, Alamade, sorry again if we're saying your name wrong. All right, he's emerged as another threat with uh, Russell moving on. In 2021, he had 31 receptions for 406 yards, three touchdowns so far this year, six receptions for 70, and a touchdown. They got three receivers who can get it done, Nass. Yep. And um, we have some youth, even though Mike Jackson, this is fourth year in the league, um, first real time being a starter. Other side, you got Tariq Woolen, first time in the league. Tariq has struggled a bit when it comes to penalties, but he's also won a full game where there were no receptions on him. So these guys are growing, and they're going to have to grow pretty fast against these dudes. Yeah, no question about it. I think it's like the young youth versus youth a little bit there um, between Pitts and London and then Tariq and Michael Jackson. Very impressed with what I've seen from the Falcons. And if they can get their quarterback situation figured out, they've had a lot of draft picks. Mm-hmm. They've had a lot of early guys. Kyle Pitts, I think, was fourth overall. London was top ten. You know what I mean? So they have guys that – some youth in there that can really play. So the young guys on our side are going to have their, their hands full. You mentioned Tariq Woolen. He's been targeted seven times, allowed three receptions for 38 yards. Pass rating allowed only 58.9. And Michael Jackson's just a playmaker, man. That's what he does. He is a magnet for the football. Mm-hmm. Missed the right place at the right time. Two critical fumble recoveries, and he returns a blocked field goal for a touchdown against the 49ers. Also got 10 tackles and one pass defended. So this will be a fun matchup. And I think this is a matchup, too, where I want to see if our guys can take the ball away. Right. You know, that's always a maturation process, obviously. Tariq has played not that much football, and he's so ahead of where he should be, you'd think. But I want to see what they can do trying to take away the football. If Marcus Marriott is going to put it up there, give London and Pitts a chance, it'll be a chance for our guys to make some plays. Now, flipping it back to our side, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett versus A.J. Terrell and Casey Howard. Hayward. Um, DK Metcalf's superstar bump. He's a superstar in the National Football it. League. It's well documented. His paycheck says he's a superstar. <laughs> you look at him, he says he's a superstar. You see him play, he's a superstar. I mean, that just is what it is. But so far this year, he's only got 11 receptions for 71 yards, no touchdowns. You know, it, it also hurt when you take away 50 yards on that mm-hmm. play last week. And, you know, Lockett stepped up his production with a big game last week. On the season, he's got 12 receptions, 135 yards. Now, Teams are doubling DK Metcalf. Um, so, if uh, from a layman's perspective, explain to the listeners, teams are doing what they can to take DK away, doubling him, having a safety over the top. If that's the case, you know, why aren't we seeing more explosive plays from other guys? Good question. I think last week was the first week we saw an explosive play. Tyler Lock had a 27-yard reception, another one for like 15 to 16 um, but what they're doing is they're standing that two high look, those two safeties. So when you say double them, that means that that safety over DK is cheating over, right? He has a corner over him, and that safety is kind of bracketing him over um, on that same side of that corner. But that defense takes away the big plays, or is supposed to take away the big play. So what do you do? You force defenses to bring another guy in the box. How do you do that? You run the football well. When you don't possess the football, you're only running on average 48 plays per game. You're not forcing anything with that defense. So I think you got to get Rashad Penny involved. Only had, what, 14 carries the last couple games. You got to get Ken Walker. Ken Walker had an eight yard run that got me excited, Nas. Mm-hmm. That four back look down the goal line goes one way, makes a guy miss, get up the sideline. Like, 
you see the potential in Ken Walker and Rashad Penny. That's how you get DK Metcalf open. You have to be able to run the football effectively and see if they can do that this week. I'm hoping so because we know it's there. We know we know with Geno's completion percentage, we know that he's going to take care of the football. You know you have two guys on the outside. You mix in Noah Fant, Will Disley. You look at the first couple drives against Denver. They showed they can do it. Yep. They showed they can have explosive plays, getting Will Disley open. Geno can scramble and do things. So it's definitely there. I'm really hoping we get to see that this week. And on the secondary side from the Falcons, they also got some good players. AJ Terrell was a first-round pick in 2020, and he had a good sophomore season last year, 81 tackles, three interceptions, 16 passes defended in a sack. On the other side, you got the veteran Casey Hayward. He's in his 11th season with the Falcons, two-time former Pro Bowler, 25 career interceptions with 111 passes defended. But let's test him, baby. Let's yeah, get after yeah, him. Let's do it. Let's put the pressure on him. Go over the top. Old man him. Casey Hayward. Come on, 11th season. Go after him. You old man. <laughs> <laughs> go get him. All right, man. Let's go figure out how to get this win. Path to victory. At the 45, waits for the snap. Michael Dixon puts it down. That kick is away. And that kick is good. The Seahawks win. It's good. It's a path to victory on Hawk Talk. Bum, you want to win this game? You got to yes, stay sir. on the field on offense. Yes, sir. The Seahawks need to run more. You mentioned a second ago than 49 or 47 plays. You're hoping they're going to be around the 70 mark here in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And that's and that and a lot goes into that. Third downs. It goes into getting, you know, being in third and short and manageable and stuff like that. So if you stay on the field more than that, that's that's a key to victory for me right off top. Stay on the field and how do you do that? You get the running game going. We talked about it a bit ago. Rashad Penny and Ken Walker need to get going, man. This is Going into the season, Pete Carroll said this is what he wants to do. He goes, look, we signed Rashad Penny to a one-year deal. He wants to prove it to the organization, to himself, that he can stay healthy and get it going. You go and get, in my opinion, the best running back in the draft out of Michigan State. The guy's first carry from Michigan State goes to the house, right? You have to build this offense around the box. So the running backs and the tight ends, if you can get those guys going, the defense has to respect it and pinch in that box and then everything else opens up, and you control the clock. You control the uh, the pace of the fight when you can run the rock. Absolutely, man. And on the other side, they need to tackle. You know, I think it's been one of those things where there's been more missed tackles than Clint Hurd or Pete Carroll anyone would like, and players included. I think you just need to wrap up and tackle. They need to be physical. You know, I think they're really physical. They're the aggressors against Denver. And, you know, 49ers were the more physical team last week, so they yep. need to tackle, and I, I think they can get that done because they have the dudes and Eric can do it. A guy who's been consistently doing that, Chenin Nwosu. Yep. That man has been balling out. You watch the fire he plays with, so I'm expecting continued big things from him. I want to see Daryl Taylor step up and get a sack this week, mm-hmm. make some big plays in the run game, Jordan Brooks, all those guys. And I think as a unit, if they can you know, step up that physicality and remember we're at home, get in front, and get after him, I think it's going to be a good thing for the Seahawks. Get after Marcus Mariota, man. Marcus, Mariota, how do you say Mariota, Mariota? It's like Kamara and Kamara. Yeah, you know, uh, I remember back in the day there was the ESPN thing and when he was in college, and then everyone thought it was they're supposed to emphasize that Mariota, and uh-huh. then they got went too hard, so it was like Mariota. And it's like that was a little <laughs> too much. I think it's Mariota is wrong. I think that's how people see uh-huh. it. I think it's Mariota. Mariota, I okay. I should, I should know that. We I'll need to do our homework better. We'll I'll have homework. you ready for Sunday. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Promise right, you. Cool, for sure. We'll get after him. <laughs> <laughs> we got to get after this dude. He's good enough to expose you and make some plays. You know what I mean? If you're giving him ample time and he's sitting back there and he's looking for young Drake London or Kyle Pitts, he can hurt you. So make sure you get after him. It's time for DT to do his thing and then take the ball away. That's the recipe right there. Easy. Easy. Let's get it done. Come on. We'll go 1-0 this week. Seahawks will be 2-1 and get things going. And bounce back in front of the 12s. The 12s, you brought it. 
against Russell Wilson and Denver Broncos on Monday night to start the season. Seahawks are going to need that performance again on Sunday as the Seahawks welcome in the Atlanta Falcons. Kickoff is at 125 on Sunday. Pre-game coverage on the radio begins at 10 a.m. with Seahawks pregame show. And you can hear Michael Bumpus and the rest of the crew. Reminder, you can hear all of our podcasts everywhere. Seahawks.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SiriusXM, and more. Hoping the Seahawks get after the Falcons this weekend. Until next time, we'll talk to you on Monday with the recap. Until next time, it's been Hawk Talk. Hawk Talk.